Um, cool. So I am surprised. Still going to talk about the Harlem Renaissance. Part of the most, the the like greatest chunk of the Harlem Renaissance, which was 1925 to 1929. Um, yeah. So let me talk about these years a little bit. Um, um, okay. So 1925 to 1929 encompassed some of the landmark achievements of the literary Harlem Renaissance, such as Alan Locke's anthology, The New Negro and Interpretation, which included works by Langston Hughes, John Toomer, and Zora Neale, Zora Neale Hurston, and sought to define the movement. Yet, the economic boom that had allowed African-American culture to flourish in the 1920s was about to end. In October 1929, a stock market tra- crash... Tra- stock, <laughs> stock market trash. Oh, market, that's what's happening now. Uh-huh, uh, crash sparked what is now known as the Great Depression. Millions were thrown out of work, and um, African-Americans, who tended to be the, quote, last hired and first fired were hit especially hard. Mm. African-American artists saw their art, saw their audiences and support dwindle as budgets and disposable incomes shrank. Yikes. Um, so this week we're going to talk about someone, again, I like debated about doing Langston Hughes and decided not to because I'm going to save him for another time where I can do a full like deep dive. Sure, sure. And um, same with... Um, <laughs> County um, Cullen, who was also a very prominent person at the time. Um, County Cullen, that sounds familiar. Yeah, he was a major writer at the time. Okay. Cool. Um, and I mentioned him in some of the other episodes oh, okay, about the Harlem Renaissance. Nice. I was um, like, I don't know that much. <laughs> so I wanted to do someone who, I mean, I didn't really know about, and there wasn't a ton about, but I found some information, and I thought it would be cool to talk about someone who is not as well known yeah. and get his name out there. So, William Waring Cunney is who we're going to talk about today. Cool. He was born May 6th, 1906. He was a twin. I don't know his twin's name. But um, he was born in Washington, D.C. and raised there. After graduating high school, which um, they didn't mention anything about him having problems like graduating from high school and everything like we had um, in our previous episode where we were in, what was it, Jacksonville, Florida, and, like, mm, African-Americans yeah. weren't able to go to high school. So, go Washington, D.C. All right, all yeah. right. Um, Just he, far enough north, I guess. Yeah. He attended Howard University for a time and then eventually received his B.A. from Lincoln University in Pennsylvania. Huh. He decided to pursue a career in singing, though, after graduating, and attended the New England Conservatory of Music in Boston and the Conservatory of Music in Rome, but he never performed professionally and eventually shifted his focus to writing. Wow. It said in one of the sources that I found um, that he decided he had a poor singing voice, and that's why he decided to switch from singing. And I'm like, well, if you studied at the New England Conservatory and the Conservatory of Music in Rome, I'm pretty sure you didn't have a bad singing Right. Voice. It was just not what you wanted it to be, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless, he shifted his focus um, to writing. Uh, so his poems were influenced by his musicality, though. Um, they were rhythmic and often written in ballad form or in original forms reminiscent of blues songs. Oh. Many of his pieces were character sketches of inner-city um, African-Americans, and his poem, No Images, won first prize in a competition sponsored by Opportunity Magazine while he was still in school at Lincoln University. He was 18 at the time. Way to go, man. Yeah. 
The poem poignantly portrays a black woman's internalization of European beauty standards. Um, it is widely, it has been widely anthologized and remains a significant representation of the basic philosophy of the Harlem Renaissance. The next year, two of his, two of his poems won honorable mentions in that same competition. Um, he was classmates with Langston Hughes at Lincoln University. Wow. And, um, yeah, so they knew each other from a young age. And decades later, the two of them co-edited an anthology, Lincoln University Poets, Centennial Anthology, 1854 to 1954. Um, in the 1930s, several of his poems were set to music by Al Haig and Nina Simone. Oh, Nina. Mm-hmm. And, and an album was recorded called Southern Exposure by Josh White. That um, included like his poems set to music. Wow. Um, this and this album was considered one of the first musical recordings of the civil rights movement. Um, so like work that involved um, that was pertaining to the civil rights movement. Amazing. Individual poems of Cunny's were included in several anthologies, including Caroling Dusk, um, edited by County Cullen, and the Book of American Negro Poetry, edited by James Weldon Johnson, who we talked about last yeah. week. Yeah. Um, Colin, um, not Colin, um, William was, uh, was, oh, he was active in the literary salon of Georgia Douglas Johnson. Oh. Who we talked about yeah. in the very first episode. Yeah. Because he lived in Washington, D.C. Uh-huh. 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 It all comes back. And it all comes back. Um, so, yeah, he was active there and that's how he was, like, very involved, especially in the Harlem Renaissance, without necessarily being there for... Um, like, living there permanently. Um, and uh, then he served in the Army in World War II as a technical sergeant in the South Pacific. He earned three bronze battle stars. Mm. After the war, he made the Bronx his home. And um, so he did live in New York City eventually, just eventually. not during the Harlem Renaissance. <laughs> it's about time. Um, and in 1960, he came out with Puzzles a limited edition book of poems for a Dutch literary society. Um, two years after this, so he, so he, up until then, he had never published his own full collection of right. poems. They'd always been in anthologies or he had edited anthologies and that sort of thing. Right. But um, he didn't have a full collection of his published. So then two years after um, Puzzles was published, he withdrew from the public life, from public life and um, all contact with his friends, including Langston Hughes. Uh, huh. This was in contrast to the deep friendships of his early days in D.C. when many writers such as Georgia Douglas Johnson, Jesse Redmond Fawcett, and Langston Hughes spoke so warmly of his friendship, encouragement, and selfless support of others. So the cause of his reclusiveness, uh, re reclusivity, the cause of his reclusivity yeah. is not entirely known, whether it's by choice or if it was the result of some like post-traumatic stress or some other reason. Um, but he receded sort of into his um, own little world, whatever. Um, and his second and final collection was published in 1973 called Storefront Church. Um, hmm. So those two collections are like his only collections. They were both published later in his life. Wow. Even though he was like getting acclaim and everything from a young age. Um, although his work ha was largely forgotten in the U.S. by the 1950s, it was translated into German and Dutch and developed a following in Europe. Huh. Um, and then, um, he passed away June 30th in, um, uh, 1976. So, 
again, not much about him either. Yeah. Both of our poets this week. But um, someone that seemed like it, people, more people should know about and read his work, especially, it's, I, I don't know why um, American audiences didn't necessarily take to his work as yeah. much as like European audiences or that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, interesting person. Um, and uh, I am going to read his poem, No Images, which is the one that he is most famous for. Nice. She does not know her beauty. She thinks her brown body has no glory. If she could dance naked under palm trees and see her image in the river, she would know. But there are no palm trees on the street and dishwater gives back no images. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's sort of, it, it doesn't necessarily... Um, like it's pretty easy to see like what he's saying with it and everything right, he doesn't right. he doesn't beat around the bush with it um but i just think it's a really and there's a reason that it was it was spoke to the time and people at the time um it resonated with people so much because right. i mean it was this time the harlem renaissance was this time when people were it was sort of an awakening of the african american community and them sort of appreciating themselves and all that sort of thing but it's also like it was it's still a time of transformation. So there's still, it's people are still looking at themselves in a certain way and sort of looking in the mirror and saying like, I don't look, look like all these people that I'm seeing on billboards right. and that sort of thing. And having to still work through those image issues and the way that things are being presented to you. It's like, right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's something that people have to deal with every day. Even, I mean, whether you're, no matter what you look like, it's something that right. people struggle with, like body image and that sort of thing. And then right. especially to be someone who, especially at this time in the the U.S. like history, African American and and people of color um, were not necessarily seen as beautiful or being portrayed in the um, in media right. and and entertainment as like these um, as like the standard of beauty. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, that's uh, No Images by William Warren Cunney. Wow. Really beautiful, poignant poem. Yeah. Very direct, like you said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Right. And I mean, it's just so stark um, of him. Like, if she could dance naked under palm trees and see her image in the river, like, it just paints such a nice picture of right. this, like, beautiful woman living freely and everything and then it takes you back to just sort of the streets of New York right. but like there are no palm trees here yeah and dishwater. dishwater doesn't dishwater doesn't give anything back yeah 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 heavy stuff mm-hmm heavy episode today yeah so yeah, enjoy but... it with a couple chocolate chip cookies and you know check your privilege at the door and right I was gonna say I mean these are important things yeah. to sort of think about and and consider in your day-to-day -day life right yeah. absolutely well thank you for sharing yes thank you for listening thanks for being here thank you for being here today <laughs> <laughs>